Chapter Thirty of Nobody. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Nobody by Susan Warner. Chapter Thirty. Poetry. Perhaps you will none of you agree with me, Lois said, and I do not know much poetry, but there seems to me to run an undertone of lament and weariness through most of what I know. Now take the death of the flowers that you were reading yesterday, Mrs. Barclay. The south wind searches for the flowers whose fragrance late he bore, and sighs to find them in the wood and by the stream no more. That is the tone I mean, a sigh and a regret. But the death of the flowers is exquisite, pleaded Mrs. Lennox. Certainly it is, said Lois, but is it gay? The wind flower and the violet, they perished long ago, and the briar rose and orchids died amid the summer glow. But on the hill the goldenrod and the aster in the wood, and the yellow sunflower by the brook in autumn beauty stood, till fell the frost from the clear cold heaven as falls the plague on men, and the brightness of their smile was gone from upland, glade, and glen. How you remember it, Lois, said Mrs. Barclay. But is not all that true? asked Mrs. Lennox. True in fact, said Lois, the flowers do die. But the frost does not fall like a plague, and nobody that was right happy would say so or think so. Take Pringles afar in the desert, Mrs. Barclay. When the sorrows of life the soul o'ercast, and sick of the present, I turn to the past, when the eye is suffused with regretful tears from the fond recollections of former years, and shadows of things that are long since fled flit over the brain like the ghosts of the dead, bright visions. I forget how it goes on. But that is as old as the hills, exclaimed Mrs. Lennox. It shows what I mean. I am afraid you will not better your case by coming down into modern time, Mrs. Lennox, remarked Mrs. Barclay. Take Tennyson. With weary steps I loiter on, though always under altered skies. The purple from the distance dies, my prospect and horizon gone. Take Byron, said Lois. My days are in the yellow leaf, the flower and fruit of life are gone. The worm, the canker, and the grief are mine alone. Oh, Byron was morbid, said Mrs. Lennox. Take more, Mrs. Barclay went on, humoring the discussion on purpose. Do you remember? My birthday, what a different sound that word had in my younger years, and now each time the day comes round, less and less white its mark appears. Well, I am sure that is true, said the other lady. Do you remember Robert Herrick's lines to daffodils? Fair daffodils, we weep to see you haste away so soon. And then, we have short time to stay as you, we have as short a spring, as quick a growth to meet decay as you or anything. We die as your showers do, and dry away like to the summer's rain, or as the pearls of morning do, ne'er to be found again. And Waller, to the rose, then die, that she, the common fate of all things rare, may read in thee, how small a part of time they share, that are so wondrous, sweet, and fair. And burns to the daisy, said Lois. There in thy scanty mantle clad, thy snowy bosom sunward spread, thou lifts thy unassuming head in humble guise. But now the share uptears thy bed, and lo, thou lies. Even thou who mournst the daisy's fate, that fate is thine, no distant date. Stern ruin's ploughshare drives elate, full on thy bloom, till crushed beneath the furrow's weight shall be thy doom. Oh, you are getting very gloomy, exclaimed Mrs. Lennox. Not we, said Lois, merrily laughing, but your poets. Mend your cause, Julia, said her husband. 
i haven't got the poets in my head said the lady they are all not like that i am very fond of elizabeth barrett browning the cry of the children said mrs barclay oh no indeed she is not all like that she is not all like that there is hector in the garden oh that is pretty said lois but do you remember how it runs nine years old the first of any seem the happiest years that come go on lois said her friend and the request being seconded lois gave the whole ending with oh the birds the tree the ruddy and white blossoms sleek with rain oh my garden rich with pansies oh my childhood's bright romances all revive like hector's body and i see them stir again and despite life's changes chances and despite the death bell's toll they press on me in full seeming help some angel stay this dreaming as the birds sang in the branches sing god's patience through my soul that no dreamer no neglecter of the present work unsped i may wake up and be doing life's heroic ends pursuing though my past is dead as hector and though hector is twice dead well said mrs lennox slowly of course that is all true from her standpoint said lois that is according to my charge which you disallowed from her standpoint repeated mr lennox may i ask for an explanation i mean that as she saw things the first of any seem the happiest years that come well of course said mrs lennox does not everybody say so nobody answered does not everybody agree in that judgment miss lothrop urged the gentleman i dare say everybody looking from that standpoint said lois and the poets write accordingly they are all of them seeing shadows how can they help seeing shadows returned mrs lennox impatiently the shadows are there yes said lois the shadows are there but there was a reservation in her voice do not you then reckon the years of childhood the happiest mr lennox inquired no but you cannot have had much experience of life said mrs lennox to say so i don't see how they can help being the happiest to anyone i believe lois answered lowering her voice a little that if we could see all we should see that the oldest person in our company is the happiest here the eyes of the strangers glanced toward the old lady in her low chair at the front of the ox-cart in her wrinkled face there was not a line of beauty perhaps never had been in spite of its sense and character unmistakable it was grave she was thinking her own thoughts it was weather-beaten so to say with the storms of life and yet there was an expression of unruffled repose upon it as calm as the glint of stars in a still lake mrs lennox's look was curiously incredulous scornful and wistful together it touched lois one's young years ought not to be one's best she said how are you going to help it came almost querulously lois thought if she were mr lennox she would not feel flattered when one is young one does not know disappointment the other went on and when one is old one may get the better of disappointment when one is young everything is fresh i think things grow fresher to me with every year said lois laughing mrs lennox it is possible to keep one's youth then you have found the philosopher's stone said mr lennox lois's smile was brilliant but she said nothing to that she was beginning to feel that she had talked more than her share and was inclined to draw back then there came a voice from the armchair it came upon a pause of stillness with its quiet firm tones he satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles the voice came like an oracle and was listened to with somewhat of the same silent reverence 
but after that pause mr lennox remarked that he never understood that comparison what was it about an eagle's youth why said lois an eagle never grows old is that it but i wish you would go on a little further miss lothrop you spoke of hymn writers having a different standpoint and of their words as more cheerful than the utterances of other poets do you know i had never thought other poets were not cheerful until now and i certainly never got the notion that hymns were an enlivening sort of literature i thought they dealt with the shadowy side of life almost exclusively well yes perhaps they do said lois but they go kindling beacons everywhere to light it up and it is the beacons you see and not the darkness now the secular poets turn that about they deal with the brightest things they can find but to change the figure they cannot keep the minor chord out of their music mr and mrs lennox looked at each other do you mean to say said the latter that the hymn writers do not use the minor key they write in it or they sing in it more properly altogether yes said lois into whose cheeks a slight color was mounting yes perhaps but it is with the blast of the trumpet and the clash of the cymbals of triumph there may be the confession of pain but the cry of victory is there too victory over what said mrs lennox rather scornfully over pain for one thing said lois and over loss and weariness and disappointment you will have to confirm your words by examples again lois said mrs barclay we do not all know hymn literature as well as you do i never saw anything of all that in him said mrs lennox they always sounded a little to me like dirges lois hesitated the cart was plodding along through the smooth lanes at the rate of less than a mile an hour the oxen swaying from side to side with their slow patient steps the level country around lay sleepily still under the hot afternoon sun it was rarely that any human stir was to be seen save only the ox driver walking beside the cart he walked beside the cart not the oxen evidently lending a curious ear to what was spoken in the company on which account also the progress of the vehicle was a little less lively than it might have been my cynthies writ a lot of hymns he remarked just here i never heerd no trumpets in em though i don't know what them other things is symbols said lois they are round thin plates of metal mr sears with handles on one side to hold them by and the player clashes them together at certain parts of the music as you would slap the palms of your hands doos hey i want to know and what doos they sound like i can't tell said lois they sound shrill and sweet and gay but that's curious sort of church music said the farmer now miss lothrop you must let us hear the figurative symbols mr lennox reminded her do said mrs barclay there cannot be much of it opined mrs lennox on the contrary said lois there is so much of it that i am at a lost where to begin i love yon pale blue sky it is the floor of that glad home where i shall shortly be a home from which i shall go out no more from toil and grief and vanity set free i gaze upon yon everlasting arch upon which the bright stars wander as they shine and as i mark them in their nightly march i think how soon that journey shall be mine yon silver drift of silent cloud far up in the still heaven through you my pathway lies yon rugged mountain peak how soon your top shall i behold beneath me as i rise not many more of life's slow pacing hours shaded with sorrow's melancholy hue oh what a glad ascending shall be ours oh what a pathway up yon starry blue a journey like elijah swift and bright caught gently upward to an early crown in heaven's own chariot of all blazing light with death untasted and the grave unknown 
"'That's not like any hymn I ever heard,' remarked Mrs. Lennox, after a pause had followed the last words. "'That is a hymn of Dr. Bonar's,' said Lois. "'I took it merely because it came first in my head. "'Long ago somebody else wrote something very like it. "'Ye stars are but the shining dust of my divine abode, "'the pavement of those heavenly courts where I shall see my God. "'The Father of unnumbered lights shall there his beams display, "'and not one moment's darkness mix with that unvaried day.' "'Do you hear the symbols, Mrs. Lennox?' "'There came here a long breath. "'It sounded like a breath of satisfaction or rest. "'It was breathed by Mrs. Armandale. "'In the stillness of their progress, "'the slowly revolving wheels making no noise on the smooth road, "'and the feet of the oxen falling almost soundlessly, "'they all heard it. "'And they all felt it. "'It was nothing less than an echo of what Lois had been repeating. "'A mute even so.' probably unconscious and certainly undesigned mrs lennox glanced that way there was a far-off look in the old worn face and lines of peace all about the lips and the brow and the quiet folded hands mrs lennox did not know that a sigh came from herself as her eyes turned away her husband eyed the three women curiously they were a study to him albeit he hardly knew the grammar of the language in which so many things seemed to be written on their faces mrs armadale's features if strong were of the homeliest kind work-worn and weather-worn to boot yet the young man was filled with reverence as he looked from the hands in their cotton gloves folded on her lap to the hard features shaded and framed by the white sunbonnet the absolute profound calm was imposing to him the still peace of the spirit was attractive he looked at his wife and the contrast struck even him her face was murky it was impatience in part he guessed which made it so but why was she impatient it was cloudy with unhappiness and she ought to be very happy mr lennox thought had she not everything in the world that she cared about how could there be a cloud of unrest and discontent on her brow and those displeased lines about her lips his eye turned to lois and lingered as long as it dared there was peace too very sunny and a look of lofty thought and a brightness that seemed to know no shadow though at the moment she was not smiling are you not going on miss lothrop he said gently for he felt mrs barclay's eye upon him and besides he wanted to provoke the girl to speak more i could go on till i tired you said lois i do not think you could he returned pleasantly we are in a most pastoral frame of mind with pastoral surroundings poetry could not be better accompanied when one gets excited in talking perhaps one had better stop lois said modestly on the contrary then the truth will come out best Lois smiled and shook her head. We shall soon be at the shore. Look, this way we turn down to go to it and leave the high road. Then make haste, said Mr. Lennox. It will sound nowhere better than here. Yes, go on, said his wife now, raising her heavy eyelids. Well, said Lois, do you remember Bryant's Thanatopsis? Of course, that is bright enough at any rate, said the lady. Do you think so? Yes. What is the matter with it? Dark and earthly. "'I don't think so at all,' cried Mrs. Lennox, now becoming excited in her turn. "'What would you have? I think it's beautiful, and elevated, and hopeful.' "'Can you repeat the last lines?' "'No, but I dare say you can. You seem to me to have a library of poets in your head.' "'I can,' said Mrs. Barclay here, putting in her word at this not very civil speech. And she went on. "'The gay will laugh when thou art gone, the solemn brood of care plod on, and each one as before will chase his favorite phantom. Yet all these shall leave their mirth and their employments, and shall come and make their bed with thee.' 
well of course said mrs lennox that is true is it cheerful said mrs barclay but that is not the last so live that when thy summons comes to join the innumerable caravan which moves to that mysterious realm where each shall take his chamber in the silent halls of death thou go not like the quarry slave at night scourged to his dungeon but sustained and soothed by an unfaltering trust approach thy grave like one who wraps the drapery of his couch about him and lies down to pleasant dreams there mrs lennox exclaimed what would you have better than that lois looked at her and said nothing the look irritated husband and wife in different ways her to impatience him to curiosity have you got anything better miss lothrop he asked you can judge compare that with a dying christian's address to his soul deathless principle arise soar thou native of the skies pearl of price by jesus bought to his glorious likeness wrought go to shine before the throne deck the meditorial crown go his triumphs to adorn made for god to god return i won't give you the whole of it is thy earthly house distressed willing to retain her guest tis not thou but she must die fly celestial tenant fly burst thy shackles drop thy clay sweetly breathe thyself away singing to thy crown remove swift of wing and fired with love shudder not to pass the stream venture all thy care on him him whose dying love and power stilled its tossing hushed its roar safe is the expanded wave gentle as a summer's eve not one object of his care ever suffered shipwreck there that ain't no hymn in the book is it inquired the ox-driver haw go long that ain't in the book is it lois not in the one we use in church mr sears i wished it was like it fust rate never heerd it afore in my life there's as good as that in the church book remarked mrs armadale yes said lois i like wesley's hymn even better come let us join our friends above that have obtained the prize and on the eagle wings of love to joy's celestial rise one army of the living god to his command we bow part of his host have crossed the flood and part are crossing now his militant embodied host with wishful looks we stand and long to see that happy coast and reach the heavenly land e'en now by faith we join our hands with those that went before and greet the blood besprinkled bands on the eternal shore End of chapter thirty